Hey everybody, it's Kirk. Um, wanted to start the show off a little bit differently today. Uh, we will get to the LAFC and, and Portland match, but we wanted to take a minute to extend some love out to Daryl Grove. For those of you who don't know, Daryl Grove hosts the Total Soccer Show. Um, I'm sure most of you who listen to this probably listen to their podcast as well. They're uh, far superior to us, but Daryl was recently uh, diagnosed with with colon cancer that spread to his liver and announced today that they are that the doctors are out of out of options and he's going to begin hospice care. Um, this one hit me pretty hard as uh, even though I've never met Daryl or Taylor, um, they're they're a part of almost my daily routine. Um, and their show was a huge catalyst for me and Josh starting ours. Um, obviously this isn't about me and Josh, it's about Daryl. Um, but, um, wanted to reach out on our small platform to say thank you to both he and Taylor for everything that they, that they've done and for, uh, sharing the love that they have for this game with all of us. And, to encourage all of you that if you don't know about their show, go back and, and listen. It's seriously just fantastic. Um, and we wish Daryl the best in, in these troubling times. And, uh, I, I really don't know. I really don't know what else to say other than that. Daryl is, uh, is in our thoughts and, uh, yeah, that's it. I'm I'm kind of at a loss. So here's the show. Hello and welcome to the Counterpress Podcast. I'm your host, Kirk Kinsey, and with me tonight is Josh Cacho. Josh, how are you feeling, man? You know, um, you know, a lot of times after draws, right, they feel a little bit incomplete, especially last year we probably felt that way, but this one was one of those draws that felt a little bit more like a win. So, you know, you take it and you move on to the next. Yeah, uh, I, I guess if you would have told me that we were going to come away with at least one point, uh, I would have been happy given the circumstances and the roster con- constraints that we have right now. Um, it did certainly feel like a win at the end because you know you get that goal and it's from Torres, uh, so it's it's great to see for multiple reasons, and uh, you get to see Portland crying about it, which is always great. Um, I have, a, I have a friend, I have a close friend who's a Timbers fan and, uh, he was not happy. He was not doing okay after that. So, um, I love seeing Timbers fans angry. <laughs> I, I, for whatever reason, that team just does it to me. Because the uh, Pacific Northwest invented football. So, you know, that's, that's right. Why. Right. I, I'm, I'm so glad that they could lend it to us mm-hmm. because I, I do love the sport. Um, so LAFC come away with a 1-1 draw, two second-half goals, one from uh, Jeremy Abobase, like two or three minutes into the into the second half, and then one at the death from Christian Torres as he, a ball kind of falls to him as Opoku's trying to settle it and, uh, and, and play himself in, really, and Torres is there with a the left-footed strike. Um, and I feel like we should just take a moment to appreciate the fact that uh, a 16 year old Academy player gets the goal. Um, and you have Eric Duenas also playing right back and he's, he just turned 16, um, which is a pretty incredible feat. They both got minutes on Wednesday. We didn't record on Wednesday, but, uh, I feel like it's an important moment to, to consider given the fact that these are the first two guys. Yeah. I mean, I think, like I said, it, it's it's everything kind of come full circle, right? And and it's one of those things if you can kind of, if you can build now an academy that actually gives you production, uh, especially in a league like Major League Soccer, right? That that's truly how you build a powerhouse because if you can sell these homegrowns the way that FC Dallas has and some of these different, you know, um, who else? Uh, New York, right? Is even though they don't technically sell anyone. Um, you know, but the red, you know, the Red Bull system, that whole pipeline, you know, again bodes well in the long run because again, if you can bring up that high level of talent, 
um, it, to supplement your roster, you know, again, it, it, it only leads to continued success. And right. And we saw it for years under Jesse Marsh um, um, in with, with New York. And then you can say, you, you can only hope that now LAFC can continue down that road and build towards something similar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's the other thing I like about it is you bring up guys that, you know, are going to fit your system because LAFC definitely has a system of play that from top to bottom. Right. So that's why you see kids come in and I mean, since the preseason Torres has looked like he's been a fit and he never seems out of place, even if he's playing on the left wing and he's a natural and he's a natural nine or whatever it is. Right. Duenas comes in uh, and he's comfortable on the, at right back even. And you, you see him, the the my favorite moment possibly of the match was was Eric Duenas playing he was combining with uh with Atuesta on the, on like the the final third and he plays a ball in for Atuesta that he wasn't even expecting and you see kind of you see Atuesta kind of mad about it but it's like Duenas knows exactly how to play um and this is really like his first appearance so pretty cool to see um yeah, I mean, you have to think that this the style by which these guys are coming up with, right, the style that Thorington and Bob have put in place is far, you know, actually is older than than most of the players that are on the roster, right? And like Carlos Vela is the first signing of the team, right? So everyone else that's currently on this roster outside of the guys that, you know, like um, the other, you know, academy guys, right? None of them have been playing the system as long as Duenas Torres as Duenas and Torres, right, right? To be fair, right. And so, when in in the bigger scheme of things, you know, when you look at some little things like that, right, it seems so simple. But at the end of the day, what it really means, right, is that you know, like Atuesta probably should have been in in where that ball was, right? Because if that's if that's what the system dictates, that's where you're likely supposed to be. Right. And so, you know, again, that ultimately that's what you want to create because you think you don't want to, you don't want to come into a, a thing where you have to have, you have to have spent and, and, and come up with all these galacticals to make it all work. Right. Like, you know, the, what you see in, um, you know, in Manchester city or whatever, maybe, or, or like, because it's, you know, the, the likely outcome of that is what you see with the galaxy at the moment, right. Where you, you, you spend, but it, there's no system or feel to what it's supposed to look like. So then it all is a bit discombobulated because I'm not sure Skeleton knows what it's supposed to look like. And so now, because there's a vision before the team, like, you know, again, before the, the first team even existed, I think, like I said, now you're starting to see those little things coming to come into fruition. Yeah. Yeah. So all of that is to say, Todd Saldana. Christian Torres, everybody involved with building the academy and the kids that are coming through, congratulations because uh, it looks to be for real. So not that you guys listen, but thank you anyway. <laughs> um, all right. So let's talk about some other stuff that we saw tonight. Um, Busovsky and and Adrian Perez get the, get the start. Um, I think Perez is largely at fault for the goal. I mean, not that, I mean, the whole team kind of gives up on that, but Perez is the one who gets caught doing the Latif blessing impersonation, trying to dribble the ball out of midfield all by himself and gets dispossessed. And I think probably Segura could have, could have closed down. I, I don't know who it was, Mora, I guess, who gets on the ball and then plays it through Valeri's legs out to Abobase. Um I feel kind of like the team... Granted, it, it at half strength, maybe even half. I, I don't even know if they're quite half strength, to be honest. But the team trying to play at this breakneck counter, like these this breakneck counterattacking style with Perez and Musavski on the on the right and left wings, I feel like it's just uh, like an exercise in futility because they're they're not true outlet guys, right? You can't just hit Musavsky or, or Perez on the run and expect them to uh, beat their their first defender and, and really undo the defense. 
uh, in reality, what they should, they should be an outlet who can hold onto the ball for a few seconds and then play the ball back, like recirculate possession again. And the team starts to, to build up a little bit more deliberately. And I felt like finally later on in the second half, you saw them start to do this where they were able to maintain possession, circulate the ball, probe a little bit and find, you know, a, a cross on the, on the ground or whatever it was, uh, to get more chances on goal. But for the first 60, 65 minutes, it was just the ball would go out and they it was just kind of end-to-end stuff that never really came to fruition. It's because you don't have enough quality on the field to really beat professional defenders like that. Um, so I, that's, that's for me where all the futility came from. I don't know what you thought, Josh. Yeah, I mean, you're basically playing three hold-up forwards right across yeah. your front line yeah. right that's the style that all three of them have come up playing right I, as far as i can tell um and you know you'll see you know they did have their moments you know but i mean musovsky none of those guys are guys that you know are 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 guys that we expect you know to to be able to you know take it you know to make play one on you know to make these one-on-one moves or do anything along that line right like we hardly expect that from our our dps let alone you know our second and third string forwards right so it's one of those things where i'm like okay you know is it the end of the world no was it this the best performance that we've ever seen no but um again you know it's like i think we talked about it after the game where musovsky had the, the two had the brace against seattle right it's like okay um you know he had a great game but you know, and and does things that you know is actually putting the ball in the back of the net. But he's not a guy that you expect to create on his own either. Um, he's a mm-hmm. guy that you expect to play within the run of play, and he's if if given the opportunity, he's going to be there. You know, unfortunately, you know you have you have some playmakers on the field, but in this game, when you're asking them to to actually, you know, make plays on their own. Hmm. You know, again, I feel like it's a tough ask. You're probably asking too much of guys that, you know, that that's just not, you know, the game, their game. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not necessarily their fault. We're missing all three DPs, all three of which are wingers. Uh, We're missing um, who is presumably now our starting number 10 in Jose Cifuentes and we're missing Palacios as well. Even though Harvey, I feel like has played really, really well. And you, of course you got to get Palacios in there. You want to get him minutes because the idea is to, is to show him off, develop a little bit more and, and sell him on. But, um, Harvey's definitely looked good. So I am, I am hopeful that when we get everybody back, we'll be okay. And, uh, we'll be able to create, uh, more, uh, more dependable chances. Um, I mean, you have to think like if you were to tell me you were going to miss, you're going to be missing all three of your DPs for a certain amount of time for whatever, you know, for various reasons. Yeah. And then we're still ending up somewhere in the, you know, in the top half of the West, mm-hmm. you know, like at the beginning, you know, after, you know, Avela went down I'm, and we had gone through some of that one stream, like, man, if we can get finished in fifth or sixth and then get healthy, you know that that's that was the that was what I was hoping for. But yeah, yeah, to be absolutely. in the position that we're at now, you know, with with the opportunity to get healthy, you know, and get guys back over the next couple of weeks, you're just like, okay, you know, because what we had through about through approximately three weeks left in regular season, you know, um, and outside of Colorado, who's played about four games this year, um, you know, you know, we're we're in good position, and so that's why I start to wonder. It's like, okay, if if this is the case and this is where we're at, um, you know. It's hard to complain with what we've what we've got thus far, um, moving forward. And so, yeah, I mean, like I said, it, it, I feel like when you you know, depending on how you look at things, right? Yeah, it's not record breaking season, but man, in the era in the year of COVID, it's this is survive and then you know get get survive and then just you know make plays when it when the time comes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, notable performances. Other than that, uh, Mario makes his start and I thought he looked really good. I mean, aside from the times where it just looks a little bit disconnected because he's new, um, he's definitely a very aggressive center back going to make tons of set of sliding challenges. Um, not always landing on some of them. 
I thought the way that he played, who was it, Mora, Felipe Mora, who got who had that breakaway, and he kind of puts a hand up on his shoulder and throws him off just enough, but not enough to make it a penalty. Um, I'm sure Portland fans are going to quibble over it, but uh, their commentators are also trying to convince everybody that Adrian Perez blowing by Diego Chara and having his shorts pulled pulled down is not a foul. So I, I don't I don't know what to think about what Portland <laughs> thinks is or is not a penalty. Um, but I thought he I thought he played really well. I it's obviously not uh, there's nothing metaphysical going on, but I felt like he and Segura and Atuesta had a great had like this great connection where one can just poke a ball away into space as they're making a challenge on a, on an attacker. And one of the three is going to pick up that ball and immediately start, you know, circulating the ball. Well, that was probably the most encouraging thing that I saw is there seemed to be some sort of like natural rhythm to what they were doing. Um, probably because they were trained in similar styles. So that made me happy to see that. Any thoughts on Mario, Josh? I mean, I think the one thing that I appreciated is his ability in the box. Yeah, right? he's a force. Um, yeah, I mean, he, you know, like whether it's just putting a body on someone, you know, I think he was, some, you know, somewhat responsible for Bobasi going down towards the end of the game there mm-hmm. um, in like a weird way. It wasn't like he was intentional. You know, there was nothing intentional about it. He just kind of was just, you know, posting up. But the yeah, fact he's making we, challenges, right? Yeah. But the fact that we have anyone to be able to post up at this point, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, is a good sign because again, you know, like so one of the Portland, one, one of the Portland called guys called Eddie Segura big and strong. I was like, man, Eddie may be strong, but big is a stretch. Um, yeah. yeah, right. You know, like maybe, yeah, yeah. And so it's just one of those things because he's about as, you know, Segura is about as big as, you know, most he's what five eight five nine right so he's probably as yeah, big as yeah, someone i think he's five nine yeah right? so he's about as big as some of the forwards but you know again like against guys like zlatan and what you know we were always going to struggle but to have a guy that has a little bit more size on him right that that knows how to and then he's again being 26 he knows how to get you know he's he's in his man body right so he's he has a <laughs> physicality about him you know yeah. in the words of lavar ball right you know you go into that man body and you can start throwing that weight around yeah, and he's so, definitely he's definitely uh, filled out. Like he he looks humongous. Yeah, compared to everybody else, it's mm-hmm. it's. But I mean, he's only like six. I think he's only six feet tall, isn't he? He's like six one. Okay, but he looks. So, I mean, still not. But he not how, But again, when you put him next monster. to like Bryce Duke, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the, right? Again, it just, it's just again, it's a welcome sight, all things considered. You know, and yeah. so. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, if you can add Blackman back to the mix, hopefully he's able to get healthy soon. Again, you feel you have to feel confident about your back line, um, you know, from a defensive standpoint as you head in, especially if Harvey can continue to contribute, not maybe not necessarily as a starter, but just as a guy who can come in and settle things down. Um, you know, again, if this is what we're getting in game one, right, holding a good Portland team to a, to a single goal, yeah, you know, and what you didn't see nearly as often was like completely blown, you know, second, you know, second phase um, set pieces, you know, mm-hmm. where it's just like mm-hmm. after that first ball comes in and there's a tip and you just, you know, before it'd be like, K would get to it. And then you would just see the ball kind of pinball around for 37 minutes until, you know, this one, it would be like b- first ball in ball to feet. And then you see Mario and Segura and Atuasta boot balls immediately out. Yeah. Right. There's yeah. no there was no messing about with the exception of the you know, what led to the goal, right? Was like when Perez tried to dribble out, right? And what Latif has often done at times is dribble try to dribble out of space. Yeah, right. Um, so yeah, I I thought that was a very positive outing for him. Um and then lastly, I, I think the, the one of the standout performances of the night has to be Pablo Cisniega, who just was all over the place and it had to have been incredibly frustrating for the Timbers because it was save after save after save coming off his line, scooping up balls. Uh, I feel like he made a couple saves off his back. Um, you know, he'd, he'd come out and dive on a ball it'd bounce away and then he'd still make a save. Uh, pretty fun to watch. And I feel like his confidence is growing because he's finally 
playing significant minutes. And as we've always said, as long as the passing comes along, he's the guy. Yeah. I mean, like I said, if he ever develops a left foot, he's going to be the best goalkeeper at Major League Soccer. All right. So moving on, um, I feel like that covers everything. Let's go ahead and get in some questions, Josh. I'm going to pull them up here on Twitter and we'll get going. Did you have anything else, by the way, about any of these topics? I mean, I think Opoku was probably like the bright spot. I think we yeah, maybe mentioned yeah. it earlier, but looked really good in terms of an attacking guy. Um, puts himself into the right situations. Just did a lot in terms of you know. In, in, I felt like he just did a lot in terms of his ability to find opportunities, find space, and you can tell now why you know the team was you know from all reports that the team was pretty high and I'm coming out of camp, um, and so. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's a, it's a, it's going to be another option to have, and again, another hopefully as he continues to develop, right? It gives you more options, you know, in the in in the what's it called in the likely scenario that one of our forwards, you know, um, gets sold. Yeah, yeah. In the, in I thought the, he I thought he was solid. Uh, passing looked good. Quality on the ball looked good. He had a couple chances that didn't come off. He had that kind of weird finish that he couldn't quite get the ball out oh, from yeah, off feet. of the off of the, save. the rebound from, yeah. I guess it was Musovski. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I I, I like him. So he certainly looks more dangerous on the wing than Musovski or uh, or Perez. Perez did tonight. Yeah. So all right, first one, Tycho BNG at Tycho Blue. Bob needs to start the. Uh, hold on a second. Bob needs to start the speed guys a bit earlier. Mid is a problem, so thin. Guido is not an option, it seems. Getting worried about Tristan. It's been a while. Mac two weeks off. Brazil transfer opens manana. And Latif is sick at home. Strange. Um, happy with the point for the match. Uh, there's a lot there. Um, I, I feel like Bob started who he could in that instance i don't think he could have just thrown on opoku and opoku still looked lost especially in the press where even even duke seemed to understand when the press was going when the press was supposed to be on and opoku wasn't quite there so i don't think he's ready to go 90 if that's who you're talking about with the speed guys um i honestly didn't mind the midfield tonight but i do think we are thin uh especially with sifuentes gone and k out as well uh, I agree with you that Guido is not an option. And what do you th- what do you think about Tristan? I know his designation has been not medically cleared here, but yeah, what do you do think we, about him and do Mac? You, does anyone remember what he like? Do you remember what he initially got hurt with? No, yeah, I don't. Before? So that's that's been the weird thing. Obviously, the there's been a change to how LAFC reports their injuries, probably because of, you know, like I said, I'm not going to take credit for this, but I'm sure the team wasn't too thrilled with the fact that we can provide injury analysis on some of these things that are occurring, you know, um, especially for, you know, some of these situations like, like this one. Um, yeah. I mean, we've gotten in trouble. Yeah. You specifically, Yeah, <laughs> well, it's, you know, but, be, but besides that, you know, like it's one of those things where, you know, again, they, they, they don't release those things for a reason, um, you know, specifically for, you know, from a strategy point of view, but, Again, well, I'll have to go back and if anyone does remember, you know, remember what he initially went out for, um, go ahead and tweet us um, at at the counterbrush um, underscore, right? Um, yeah. And so that way, you know, like I said, we can I can go back and kind of take a look at it. But again, it's one of those situations where now we're not going to get too much medical information coming out, especially in the year of COVID. Um, so. You know, as for Latif's quote-unquote injury, this feels like Coutinho before his Barca move. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the the tell there is he's not in the 18, right? Yeah. So, again, we'll see. I mean, you know, we've 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 had some drama. It seems in the past from you know that you know in over the last couple of years, we had just you know, just hearing different rumors and different things like that about about Latif. So again. You know, if that's the case, we wish him wish him the best. You know, but you know, it is what it is. You know, you kind of will roll with the punches as we go. Yeah, along. I mean, that's that's you kind of talked about it earlier with 
the academy. That's LAFC's model. And it's going to be. If there's an opportunity to develop a player and sell them on for a profit, they're going to take it. Even with a guy as integral as as Latif has been to what they're trying to do with the midfield. So, uh, that, you know, if if there's a if there's a transfer fee to be won and they feel like they're good with Cifuentes, which I think they are, um, then they, then they're definitely going to move him, and whether we like it or not. Um, so I, I mean, I guess we'll see. We'll see what happens with uh, this Brazilian transfer window. All right, next one: PG at Paul T Greco. Looking forward to the pod. Thank you for that. Semi-unrelated to the game, but do either one of you have a take on the current Supporter Shield controversy? Since we are current holders of it, just interested to see if you have a thought. So on so this, one, you, I'm, on this one, I'm going to let Kirk take the reins because I you tweeted something out earlier, and I 100% agree. So you go for it. Oh, one. yeah, yeah. Um, so for anybody that doesn't know, the Supporter Shield Foundation or group, whoever it is that governs this thing, some sort of council of supporters decided that because of the weird things going on this year, they are not going to award the supporter shield. Um, they put out a statement that said that they felt like any, like awarding the supporter shield under such circumstances when this, when the schedule isn't balanced and nobody really knows what's going on would be to take away from it. And I couldn't disagree more. Um, and to give you a little idea on where I'm coming from, uh, the Supporters' Shield to me is the most important trophy in the league. Now, I know that we don't get to put a star over our over our crest because we win one. And when I say we, I, I kind of mean like this collective we, anybody, anybody that watches MLS. But every other team in the world focuses on winning the table, right? Because that's how most leagues award their championship. And they do that to ensure that teams go out there and give it an honest effort. And of course, you know, there will be teams that kind of give it up after a while. Normally, you know, in most leagues, there's promotion and relegation, so they can't give up completely. And sometimes teams clinch really early, like Liverpool last year. Um, so the, the title race is over and you don't get the drama of whatever MLS playoff system we're going with this year. Um, so to me, it undermines it because you're just saying it's completely beholden to the circumstances in the world. And all of a sudden, oh, well, there's a pandemic. So now things are too weird for us. Um, when in fact, I, th- I think this year more than ever, they, they need it. They need, to sh- they need to reward a team for going out and competing despite all of this. So a team like Seattle or Toronto has a major gripe for going out and playing so well um, only to not win a trophy. So to me, it's just, it's, it's absolutely silly. And it has the, the exact opposite consequence that they think they're going, that they think it's going to have. So where they think it's going to uh, keep the sanctity, if you will, of the supporter shield, it, it truly undermines what it, what it achieves. That's a pretty long rambly answer. Sorry. No, but I mean, it makes complete complete sense to me because at the end of the day, right, um, I like you're saying, like, if there was ever a year that you wanted to reward people for having to put in the work, you know, including that to stay safe, this is the one. Yeah. Right? Because this is where one where from top to bottom, right, like everyone mm-hmm. has to dig in to be able to make, to make this season happen. Right, and yeah. while we're sitting at home doing these different things, getting a, being able to watch our teams, you know, as much as we'd love to be in the stadiums, we still do get to enjoy the product that is, you know, LAFC, right, and 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 get, you know, to you know to support from afar. But again, that comes with a price to a certain degree, and 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 a lot of risk, um, you know. And again, we don't. And if we're if if we're to look at the current crisis, you know, from a serious outlook, right? To not now do this because of the same reason, again, it's a bit silly to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, The most charitable thing that I can think of, like the most charitable interpretation that that I can give it is 
that they don't feel like it's like it has the uh, importance. Like they don't feel like it has that it receives the importance that it does that it deserves. Wow, I'm really bungling this one. Uh, because the Supporter Shield Foundation doesn't feel like the league treats it seriously, that they're going to take it away for a year, right? It's essentially what I do with my kids, where when they fight over a toy, I take it away. And so what they're saying is this whole COVID response uh, that MLS has put out isn't isn't good enough. So we're not going to award our trophy. And so it's them trying to like wrestle some kind of power from MLS when in reality, I think MLS is, uh, for all of its, all of the league's warts and faults, has done a pretty good job at making sure that this thing that that's that this thing went off this year. So I don't know. I it's just to me, it's a silly, silly decision. Unless you're the Colorado Rapids, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, moving on. Here we go. Uh, Alistair Christie at Christie Alley. Segura is a number six. Duke was much better than recently, but still a way, uh, but still a way out from a genuine start with this team. We can be a counterattacking machine without Latif and his bad first touch and passing. Uh, there's a lot there. Uh, I, I think Segura can play six. I prefer Atuesta, obviously. Um, I don't think necessarily the LAFC is going to have him there in the future, though. I think it's mostly just an emergency thing. I do. I thought Bryce Duke looked good. I know he got some hate on Twitter tonight. Um, Bryce, don't worry about that. It's just Twitter. It's not real. Um, the the one the the major shortcoming that I noticed in Bryce's game tonight was when he's trying to play the the long aerial switches in the air. They're just they're just overcooked and inaccurate. So it's probably just him just you know trying to put too much into the ball, so they're not coming off very accurately. Um, but I mean, his, his one touch combination with, especially at Tuesta as they try and build out, that's the kind of midfielder that you want in possession. Um, he definitely was pressing a little bit harder, uh, in both possession and, and the actual counter press at, at the end of the game. So I think it looked a little bit sloppy, but I thought he was good. Uh, and we can be a counterattacking machine without Latif and his bad first touch. I mean, I, in, in some ways I agree because, uh, I don't think Latif's blessing, Latif's passing is super incisive or surgical. But what Latif does bring you is uh, kind of this frantic defender in the attacking third, and I think that's why LAFC's had so much had so much success counterattacking in the in the past is because of guys like Latif and what he does in the counter press. Josh, I kind of took that one for myself, but what do you think? So I have a I have this theory that the way that Bob built out the team last year was a specific response to how the league is currently going, right? Where, you know, I think we've talked about, you know, you've seen the changes in phase what one day we talked about what MLS, the original MLS to 2.0 to 3.0. And then I think this is, I don't know, whatever they call They call this now generation of major league soccer, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, in in its in this what twentieth year twenty fifth twenty fifth yeah so yeah so in its twenty fifth year right when you look at the way you know where where the majority of the players come what's the what is the what is the league become right it's is it the retirement league of the of old or is it a buying is it a now what most people want it to be and that to be almost a selling league. Right in mm-hmm. terms of we develop guys, we move them on to the bigger leagues while we continue to build up, hopefully build up the product in itself, right? To be a, a better league than what we've had in the past. And so, again, I think when you look at the situation, the way that Bob set, sets up the team, right, is very much indic. You know, it's very much in response to what how teams are building out, right? Whereas the majority of DPs play in what bullish positions, likely forward, the ten, right or midfield, right. Mm-hmm. I think what the only one that's not is like Vancouver. What's his name? Ali Adnan. They have a left back that's getting yeah, DP money, yeah. right? He's but legit though. I like him. Yeah, 
I mean, if I had him on the team, I'd be super happy. But yeah, yeah. again, why? But the the fact that you would spend that much money on a left back is a bit crazy, right? In 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 this league, in but, this league, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. And so you know, when you look at the you know when you look at the dynamics of of how the, how most teams are built out, right? It's having a, this ten like a Nicoladero that that just takes over things. Well, what's Bob's response? Put Latif Bussing in there, who's not exactly a creator, but a guy that's just there to shut down their 10, right? Yeah. Whereas the actual creative force is coming from behind, that being from R6. So I don't, you know, it's what's interesting because Atuesta was a 10 for the majority of his career at Medellin, I believe. I think it's what I read. Mm. Um, or at minimum, he was an 8, right? And it, yeah. when, you, when you watch the way he plays and with the positions he, you know, I think the Portland... Um, commentators actually pointed this out pretty fairly is that he finds himself in the you know in positions uh, somewhat out of position from what your traditional six would be right whereas Diego Chara as the six for Portland you know is just cleaning up the mess in behind the in behind Mm. there's nothing between the midfield and then our first line you know and then our defenders right there's there is a big gap of space to be had because Atuesta is often pushing forward all three of our guys that are pushing forward, whereas when they move Segura there in the in the towards the end of the game there when they brought in um, Djokovic, right? He was playing more of that role. I think Vince talked about it, um, where you have a six that kind of just sits in between the the center backs, and you have a back, you know, a back three, right? So yeah. that that's kind of where I see it's like again, is Atuesta truly a number six in 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 the in the common in the common word, no, right. But again, it takes advantage of what what the system is. But now, as the league continues to evolve, I do think Latif's role as an anti ten is a bit now. Again, teams have figured out ways to get around it because now they what they've been doing is bypassing the midfield and bypassing the press, and then with Atuesta pushing up high, now it leaves that space open for the counterattack. So gives gives some thought to how I think that, you know, again, you wonder what the next adjustment will be, you know, but I think in having guys who are cleaner in the midfield is the next step because it, as you build up, now now you have a, you know, one of the midfielders is, is going to drop off and sit in, sit in a little bit while, while the other two push forward in, into, the, into the channels. So, or into the half space, rather. Yeah, yeah, right. All right. Let's move on to Brian at BR Heat 06. What do you think will be LAFC's best formation and starting 11 once everyone else is healthy? Uh, could we see Vela play as a 10 behind a front line of Rossi, BWP, and Rodriguez? I'm trying to think of the best way to respond to this, Josh. I, I feel like uh, Vela playing on the right wing needs some, like why that's so important is, is needs like some... Uh, strategic explanation so do you do you want me to go yeah. through that and then we can give our starting 11s go after? for it. okay so the idea of possession football is to invite as much pressure as you possibly can and then play out of that pressure to a free man so in like a very oversimplified way what lafc tries to do especially is build up on the left-hand side. Um, that's why you see uh, like Mark Anthony K playing back there often on, on the left-hand side. It's why you see Jordan Harvey have so much success in, in possessing the ball. Uh, it's why Diego Rossi is very important, a very important piece beyond just his speed on the wing. Um, so LAFC is going to build up as much as possible on the left-hand side, because what that does is it invites pressure to that side, right? And the better that LAFC is at passing and circulating the ball, the more likely that Carlos Vela becomes a fr- the free man, as, as they call them, okay? And then you immediately, once, that, once you do see Carlos Vela free uh, out there on the right wing, then you play the switch. And I'm not talking about a long, floated... Will Trap as Greg Burhalter special aerial switch. I'm talking about a ball to the feet of Edward Atuesta, who's on the side of a of a rondo, for lack of a better term. He's on the you know, like the he's on the inside of the field, 
connected to this Rondo, and he's the one hitting Vela in stride as he either cuts in or takes the ball to the end line. And this is why last year you saw Tuesta with so many assists to Carlos Vela's because he is tasked, uh, Tuesta is, with finding the free man. Um, whereas the entire team is is tasked with inviting all the pressure and then playing around it. Uh, and typically that comes through Edward Atuesta because Atuesta is so good with his passing, he can hit it from far back, um, which is why he's kind of like this regista uh, that Josh was talking about just a minute ago. So that's why I don't ever see Vela playing the 10 for this team. Um, you can do similar things with him at the nine where you can make him the free man wherever he pops up. But I don't think that LAFC is going to be, you know, just just get the ball under the feet of Vela as a 10, and he'll create something. No, they'd much rather have him one-on-one with with a, a left back or or a center back. So that's why I don't think so. Um, Josh, I mean, no, having now that I've dug us into a hole here, what's your starting 11? Or I mean, what, for- do you have anything else on there? For comparison, see see the build-up play of Jordi Alba, right mm. at Barcelona, mm. to free up Messi on the right hand side, um, and Liverpool, you know, with you know, or any you know, or Liverpool with Mo Salah on the right hand side, mm-hmm. um, you know, where they're trying to basically get him one on one, and they and basically you have Andrew Robertson bombing forward the entire time, basically, you know, so they overload that one side, get get teams to commit, and then flip the ball across. You know, and then again, yeah. their their trigger man is 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 Alexander Arnold to to Salah, so it's a little yeah. bit different because they don't have a midfielder that does it. The midfielders actually invert and go back to playing defense, um, which again will change with Thiago. But um, previously, that's you know that's again their their run of play. Right. Um, right. So yeah, and then our starting eleven with 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 everyone back. I mean, again, you're likely staying in a four-three-three. BWP is going to play that thirty-minute super sub role. Um, Rossi is probably going to play off the the left, Vela through the middle, and Rodriguez on the right. Your midfield is, I'm going to say, again, and this is with everyone healthy and everyone back. Um, the midfield, I think, I'm going to say it's going to be, um, say Fuentes. Um, Again, like if if K's healthy, K and Atuesta. If K's not healthy, it'll likely be Janela, and then behind or hmm, could be Bryce Duke. It'll be one of the two, um, depending on the game, right? I think it depends on the game. It depends on um, you know again because Cheeky bombs forward so much. Maybe you want a guy that's more, you know, that's not going to push up nearly as much into the half space. So you know maybe that means it's Janela and then you know, Rossi and Cheeky do a little bit more on that left-hand side, yeah. you know, and then you invert, you invert the the midfield. Um, so, and then, yeah, your back line is likely going to be Mario and Segura, Blackman on the right, and then Cheeky on the left. Yeah. Uh, I, the only qualms I have, I think, uh, it, depending on what happens with Latif Blessing, and again, I do think that his being left out of the 18 tonight is really significant. Um, I think he could potentially start even over Blackman at right back. Um, I think he could possibly start over K in the midfield. Um, but I mean, you you essentially have this problem where you have four, uh, relatively good midfielders that you can rely on in Cifuentes, K, Blessing, and Atuesta. And you have two guys on the periphery that look like they fit in really well in Janela and, and Duke as well. Um, the only other change that I could potentially see is I, I think you might see Harvey still getting significant minutes out of, out of left back just because he's played so well. Um, so I, I, for me, that's it is, you know, maybe, maybe we see blessing at right back or maybe we see him in the midfield still, but I think Sifuentes has his spot locked in locked in as a, as a starter. So I honestly think it's between K and, and blessing now who's going to stay on the field. Uh, you good to go to the next one, Josh. Yep. All right. Benjamin at LAFC Benjamin after seeing Mario play a full 90, if healthy, is he the starter alongside Segura and Blackman returns? I think we already answered that one. BWP hasn't scored in the past three games. 
Have you noticed a drop in level of play or is he contributing, contributing enough to the team off the ball? Um, I, I think he, you know, a three game drought, that's nothing, that's nothing too big. Um, I, I mean, he did miss what was essentially a sitter tonight with, uh, I think it was Muhammad Munir played him in. He kind of like played this floated, this floated pass over the, over the back line and BWP put it right into Clark's hands. Uh, I, I'm not, I'm not too worried about him. I think, you know, this is a, this is an older player who's now played a lot, a lot of minutes, more minutes than I think he had anticipated when he, when he joined the team this season. Um, and I, I, similar to Josh, I think he's meant to be a 30 minute super sub. And I think when he's in that role and he's always got fresh legs, he's going to be really impactful. Josh, you got anything there? Yeah. I mean, I think when you look at again, how, what he was running to be, like you said, it's, it was likely that super sub role, but beyond that, I think the other thing to consider is that, um, you know, at the end of the day, with when it comes to BWP, the way that he's always played again, he's never been a guy that's, you know, again, that's taking taking players one on one and that sort of thing. You know, guys one on one. He's been a guy that's, you know, he's truly, you know, like a poacher, and he's a guy that you know finds himself on the end of on the end of goals and and. You know, and was it his last season with New York where he did play really well? Is when um, mm-hmm. what's the um, the mid the their ten that plays behind him as a second striker? Bombado, uh, I think. Mm-hmm. He's the one who kicked the ball off the the the, the fan and oh yeah, um, start to the K. Anyways, um, I know who you're talking about. I'll so yeah, remember in a second. So that guy. Um, you know, he again. I think that that year, more than they won the supporter shield, I believe, heading into it's the LAFC's first season. Um, you know, BWP scored a ton of goals, but a lot of it was set up by you know set up. And so when you have you know here your forwards next to you being Musovski and Perez, again you're asking a lot of BWP in terms of creation. And so and again where he's playing how he plays with that, you know, again, the link between Vela and Atuesta is not nearly as effective when Vela's playing through the middle than he was on the right. And so um, Atuesta as the playmaker to find that BWP is not quite going to be as effective, you know, um, as it could be, you know, like I said. And so that's probably why you're seeing a little bit of a, you know, downside from BWP. You know, again, when you have Rossi taking up the majority of the tension, and you can just find yourselves on the end of end of on the end of you know crosses and and stuff like that, you know. Again, that's why where BWP was playing really well, but now asked to be the primary, the, the target man and creator for this team. Yeah, that's never been his. That's never been his game. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and it, I mean we've seen him float in and out of the different positions and and do well with his hold up play and everything. But yeah. I, you know, he's, he's not, he's not going to be a huge physical presence for you. So, um, you can't, you you can't rely on him to be, uh, to be the creator, like you said. So I, I, again, I'm not worried. LAFC has always done just fine without a number nine that is, is creating, but, um, he's, he's not going to be the starter once everybody comes back. Um, all right, let's see here. Next one. I think this is our last one too. Uh, Pepe at just when maybe one, will we ever see Guido on the field for us with as thin as we are right now? You figure Bob would throw him out there now, if ever interesting that he liked him enough to bring him back this year, but not enough to play him. He looked decent with the loyal. Also don't think there is much of a drop off between him and Duke. Um, so, I am more convinced that Alejandro Guido is an actual person because he's playing on a team in San Diego. Uh, but I, I don't think he's ever going to play for LAFC. Um, I imagine they would be more than happy to sell him to, to San Diego. Uh, the fact that he wasn't on the bench tonight and that LAFC didn't have a single midfielder on the bench tells me everything I need to know, really. 
um, with Blessing gone and uh, Cifuentes out, K out. Uh, to me, it just uh, that just spells out the fact that he's not he's not going to be the guy. And I'm not sure what it is because, to be honest, I haven't seen enough of him. Uh, and I don't I don't watch enough USL to to truly answer that question on you know is he good enough to to hang because I just haven't seen enough so I I kind of by default have to trust Bob on this. What about you, Josh? I mean, you didn't hear that he has back spasms in preparation for his move to Barcelona. That's that's what I had heard on the rumor mill somewhere on Reddit or maybe Facebook. I don't know. Jeez. That's about what I think. Oh, Josh is just ruthless. Doesn't care. I love it. Um. All right. Well, Josh, anything else that you want to get to tonight? Or no, I think that's it. Okay. So again, LAFC with a one-one draw. Congrats to Christian Torres for the first goal. Uh, the first goal from an academy player too. Pretty incredible to be doing at sixteen years old. Um, Josh, what were you doing at sixteen? Um, trying to pass my driver's test. Yeah, <laughs> I was. Uh, I was delivering prescriptions to old people for Nelson's drug in Glendora, California. That's what I was doing. That was my job. Definitely not playing professional soccer. Uh, just an incredible, incredible moment. Uh, so thrilled for him. All right. That is all we have for tonight. We will talk to you. When is our next match, Josh? Uh, it's going to be Sunday against the Galaxy. Oh, El Trafico, what? 17. Nine this season? Yeah. Who knows? Man. Okay, well, they they beat Vancouver 1-0, so we'll see what happens. Uh, I think Christian Torres has equal Chicharito on gold. Mm-hmm. That's legit right there. Now you know. Christian Torres can basically play for Man U, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, well, we will talk to you all Sunday night after the Galaxy match. Take care.